You're listening to the Editor's Pick Podcast. I'm Darcy Gallagher, your host and editor-in-chief of The Buzz Magazine. Big thanks to Michael Petras from Strobe Lake Casualties for our opening sound. For more of their music, visit the link in our show notes or go to www.strobelakecasualties.com. In this episode of the podcast, I have a great conversation with Sophia Blair. She's one of the wellness writers here at The Buzz, and we talk about how The Buzz has helped her explore her spiritual interests on a deeper level. We go into what it's like being a part of BU Zen, which is an organization here on campus, and we talk about the practices of meditation her practice, um, as well as what spirituality means to her. We also talk about some of her online articles, such as Forest Therapy, which is the one she's currently writing for The Buzz. And we also talk about her print article, which is Connecting with Your Inner Child. So we talk about what an inner child is, how do you connect with it, and why this is important for us to do as adults. We also mention wellness tips that people can implement into their own daily routines. So it's just a great conversation overall and she is so sweet and just her energy is very peaceful and calming and very zen. So without further ado, Sophia, welcome to the podcast. As human beings, we're not programmed to be like that, but being intentional about the way you go through the world, I think, has been really life-changing for me and learning about meditating outside of sitting. It's a really awesome, really awesome thing. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi, I'm Sophia Blair. I'm currently a sophomore at BU studying media science and psychology. I'm from California, and I'm a transfer student from Santa Barbara. Just like me. Yes. What made you transfer? Why did you transfer? I got into BU as a guaranteed transfer student for sophomore year. So essentially they said, go somewhere as a freshman and come here as a sophomore, And so I moved to Santa Barbara with my best friend, and I loved my life there so much. It was genuinely a really difficult decision to come here, but I'm so glad I did because BU has done so much for me, like, career-wise. BU has given me so many great opportunities, and one of my favorite things that's come out of moving to Boston is joining The Buzz. That's so great to hear. I'm so happy that we can give you this sort of space and outlet so that's really nice to hear totally so we'll get into a little bit about this later but you are one of our wellness writers at the buzz but you're also involved with bu zen which is a club or organization on campus Mm -hmm. so how has the buzz helped you kind of explore your spiritual interests so i joined bu zen last semester found them they were set up They had a table at Marsh Plaza, and I walked by, and they had a bunch of books out that I was currently reading, Um, The Four Agreements, The Power of Now, and I was like, whoa, this is awesome, because in Santa Barbara, I had this yoga community where I was really able to explore my spirituality, and one of my biggest fears about moving to Boston was, like, losing my spirituality, in a sense. Right. And so finding this community was so awesome. And now I'm the secretary and I'm on the e-board and I absolutely love it. Mm. I wouldn't have gotten to this point if not for the pandemic. The whole reason I ever got into meditation was because when the pandemic hit, I was like very anxious about all of the just the state of the world, all of the unknowns. 
And I'd never really thought about mindfulness or meditation before the pandemic, but there was just so much time with yourself. And so I started really thinking about things, thinking about life, questioning things, realizing things. And I found meditation as a tool to cope with all of the questions I had. And my practice has just grown from there. Yeah, that's so great. Would you be able to walk us through the practice um, as a part of BU Zen? Right. Yeah, totally. So BU Zen meets every Wednesday evening at 7.30. And we have a lady named Barbara Feldman who comes and guides us through group meditation. She lives at the Cambridge Zen Center, which is an amazing, amazing place where a bunch of Zen masters live together, eat together, meditate together, and it's completely open to the public to join them. Oh, that's um, so cool. So Barbara has been a part of BU Zen for 20 years. She used to teach yoga wow. at BU. Yeah, and essentially we show up, we sit in the circle, we have mats and cushions provided. Um, Barbara will lead us through like a deep relaxation where she just we all close our eyes and lay down and she goes through the whole body like scans our whole body and like relax the eyebrows relax your jaw and that genuinely prepares you for meditation so well because we often hold tension in our bodies without being conscious of it so being intentional about relaxing is really amazing and then she leads us through a group meditation we usually meditate for about 15 minutes and after that she'll have a reading prepared we'll discuss the reading and then we have tea and cookies at the end that's so nice <laughs> it is the best part of my week by far <laughs> that sounds great yeah i want to do that, that it totally is and i have to say meditating i never meditated in a group of people before moving right to what's that like you know i'd say like synergy is a huge thing the energy of the room when you're meditating in a room full of people and it's like thundering silence is irreplaceable yeah up until now my meditation practice has been completely personal right and while that is an amazing thing being able to share your practice with other people it's it's so connecting and it makes you feel more connected to yourself as well right right how do you how do you become better at meditating like how do you how do you really focus in on letting all of your thoughts pass I feel like that's like very hard to do it you know this is a like common question I think but I think that people think meditation is harder than it is although I do think there is like a learning curve because people are often questioning am I doing this right like I don't I don't think this is working you know it's all about just coming back to the present moment people think that there's a learning curve for meditation because we've been taught to identify with our thoughts for our entire lives but it's really just about sitting back observing those thoughts and letting them go barbara often tells us to focus on our breath like in out in out or count to 10 and then repeat or have a mantra and that helps you come back to the present moment when your mind starts to wander but i don't think that anyone is perfect at meditation even these these monks and these dharma teachers and all of these zen masters everyone you can't fully stop your thoughts you know and right. so it's about practicing the non-judgment towards those thoughts i think that's great 
I was in this meditation retreat through View Zen, and um, right, you, what you wrote about last yeah, semester for exactly. your print article. <laughs> and Rafa Borges from Dharma Gates, which is this nonprofit that um, hosts Zen retreats for young college students, he was giving us or offering us the simile about meditation, and he said that you should only put in the amount of effort into your meditation that it takes to hold a tissue. So interesting. you're not gripping onto the tissue. You're not like really, really, really focused on meditating and sitting there. The whole thing is just to sit, just yeah. to be still. Um, we had a Dharma talk at our last BU Zen meeting with this Master of Divinity student at BU Theology named Sagan Johnson. And what she was saying about meditation is that if you have ever just craved that life could pause, like stop time and just let everything fall away, all of the stuff you carry, because we all carry so much stuff, the good, the bad, everything. Right. And you, if you've ever just wanted everything to stop for a moment, that is what meditation is here for you to do. All you do is sit still and that's it. It seems really hard, but you literally just sit. Yeah. And the more you do it, I think the more profound of an experience it becomes. It's so simple in theory, but in reality, you know, there are so many layers to the mind. I have so many questions about meditation. I think it's just such an interesting practice, and I feel like not a lot of people talk about it as much. But how do you do it? Do you have your eyes closed? Do you have your eyes open? Are you lying down? Are you sitting up? Are you standing? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you what do you do? Okay, so for the lineage of Zen that BU Zen practices, we meditate with our eyes open, which is something that I never did when I meditated on my own. Right. Because the essence is like awakening to your true nature and if we awaken to something, our eyes are open. And so have you ever just stared into space and you're not focused on anything? Everything's kind of blurry, but you're just like... Right, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what it is at Zen. Okay. But a lot of people meditate with their eyes closed. And I find that it honestly just depends on how tired my eyelids are. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, but meditation is not just sitting, which I also didn't know before moving here. I had done sitting meditations my entire practice thus far until I came to BU Zen and I got introduced to the concept of walking meditation. Walking meditation is when uh, it was described to me as putting your consciousness in your feet, dropping your consciousness down to your feet and being extremely mindful of each step of the feeling of putting your foot on the ground and then moving your leg and putting your next foot on the ground. And what is this like for you? And what are you noticing right now? And just being slow and mindful. And usually when we're walking, you know, our mind is somewhere else. So it's really just about being here, be here now, being present. And so there's sitting meditation, there's walking meditation. And at a meditation retreat I was at just two weeks ago, we did an eating meditation, which is where when oh, we that had sounds so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. When we had <laughs> lunch, we all sat in a circle and we ate really slowly and as we chewed each bite we thought about every flavor that was on our tongue. We thought about the hands that made this food. 
we thought about the food was grown and then it was harvested and then it was brought here and eating so mindfully is something that I never do I I feel like we're just so quick to finish our meal and yeah I throw on Netflix and I entertain myself as I eat like I I do do not I I don't just eat to I eat to so because I have to but not for like the sake of truly enjoying my food right and I've been thinking about that experience so much since because it's taught me that you can extend your meditation practice beyond the cushion right beyond sitting meditation is something to be cultivated in everyday life throughout everything you're doing when you're walking to class instead of just putting on my headphones and letting my mind wander and like blaring music into my ears sometimes I will just really breathe and feel the breeze on my skin and feel the sun and hear the sounds around me and try to focus on the steps I'm taking to go to class and obviously it's not easy to just constantly be in that state of mindfulness and I'm present and as human beings we're not programmed to be like that but being intentional about the way you go through the world I think has been really life-changing for me and learning about meditating outside of sitting it's a really awesome really awesome thing that's amazing I love how you can take it into different parts of your life and routine I feel like that's really important to do that's really cool. And I also, have you heard of the term like flow state? I haven't, no. So for me, as a writer, when I'm writing and I'm really into it, I go into this flow state where I'm not thinking, I'm just writing and I'm so in it. And yeah. when I was a swimmer in high school, sometimes I would slip into that. I'd be just yeah. going through the motions and then I'd just get into the flow state of swimming. And so I think meditation is like being in the flow state of life right if that makes sense that does make sense and when people find things that they can get into the flow state of whether it's art or sports or running or anything that is meditative right but they don't really realize that right wait um what stroke did you do i have i've swam all my life oh my gosh <laughs> breaststroke was my favorite breaststroke was mine too no way i love the i am though for some reason you like i am yeah wow i, I always i i was put into i am a couple of times and i absolutely hated it it was just not my thing at all Ugh. but good for you that's amazing but <laughs> yeah you. breaststroke was always my um stroke too that's so cool that's awesome <laughs> i love that So I'm really interested to hear about this online piece you're writing currently. It's about forest therapy. Mm -hmm. So I'd love for you to tell us about the article as well as, you know, what forest therapy actually is. Totally. Okay. so my interview with Diane Pienta, who's the guide that facilitated the forest therapy experience, is actually tomorrow morning. But I do have a lot to say. Um, So forest therapy is based on the Japanese practice of forest bathing called Shinrin-yoku, and that was invented in the 1980s, so relatively recently. Right. Um, And it was invented as a solution for just, like, depression, anxiety, mental health. Um, And the concept is, you know, you're engaging with nature through the facilitation of a guide, and... um, you're connecting with nature in a very, very present, intentional way. Um, 
So through my experience, Diane offered us prompts. We would, there were only 10 of us and we were in the circle and she would tell us like, okay, go wander and really focus on motion. And then we would have 10 minutes. We were in Halls Pond Sanctuary, which is right behind Amory Park. It's this amazing little sanctuary of nature in the middle of this bustling city. That's crazy. Which I'm so grateful that exists. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and so we would go notice motion, and then we came back and we talked about our experience. And then she offered us a prompt that was like, go notice patterns. Um, and we went and we got, went and noticed patterns, and then we came back and we talked about it. And really, I think this was beneficial because we were able to slow down, pay attention, and truly connect to nature and the great outdoors in a way that, you know, is not, it's not easy being in Boston. And aside from connecting with nature, you know, you feel more connected to yourself and everyone else who was a part of that at the end. It was amazing because you're just really immersed in the beauty of nature. You're you're embracing this creativity and this curiosity and this aspect of connection to the world that, yeah, that we just don't get here living in a city very often. I also wanted to talk about your print article for this semester. It's called Connecting with Your Inner Child. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the article and what it means not only to connect with your inner child, but kind of what is this concept of an inner child totally. and why this is important for us to do. Totally. Okay, so first of all, I love how the buzz has allowed me to explore spirituality more because BU Zen has been that outlet for me, but I've been able to share my experiences to a larger group of people through writing about it. And it's just amazing that I've been able to write about connecting to your inner child because before I moved to Boston, I had a note on my phone for a year that was article ideas. And I didn't know what publication oh these article ideas would ever come to fruition in. But connecting to your inner child is something I've wanted to write about for so long. That is so cool. Yeah, and the fact that <laughs> it's going to be in print is so exciting. So oh, exciting. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm really passionate about this topic. Yeah, I would love to hear all about it. So the inner child is something we all have because we were all children once. Um, and the inner child is just that sense of yourself at your core that is your childlike attitudes and behaviors and also traumas. The inner child is not all good um, because if you experienced trauma as a child, your inner child carries that, but your inner child is also all of the childlike wonder and excitement that you had as a child too. And so connecting to your inner child is connecting to your inner child in a really fun way like finger painting and running through the sprinklers but it's also that aspect of healing your inner child and recognizing you know things you lacked as a child that you're able to give yourself as an adult to like heal those wounds in a sense right um 
So basically, yeah, what is the inner child? I'd say it's the memories, beliefs, emotions, and experiences from our childhood that continue to influence us as adults. But for a lot of people, that's all subconscious. Right. And so when you're able to connect to that, you become so much more in tune with yourself. And I think it's really interesting how, as human beings, we're on this lifelong journey of discovering yourself. Um, You know, you don't fully know yourself ever. There's always more to learn about your mind, your being, this human experience. Right. And so connecting to your inner child is really important because of that. We develop coping mechanisms as a child to protect us from, like, negativity. And then those coping mechanisms kind of stay with us into adulthood. And if we're able to recognize those things and just give ourselves what we lack, we're able to become much more, like, open, peaceful people. This is a little excerpt from the print article. Ooh, a little sneak peek. (laughs) The first step to healing your inner child is recognizing and validating your inner child's feelings. Acknowledge the pain and emotions that you experience as a child and validate them by giving yourself permission to feel. Crying is a really important factor in connecting with your inner child. Identify your inner child's unmet needs, such as the need for love, attention, validation, or safety. Then find ways to fulfill them in your adult life. Nurture yourself and tend to your needs. Treat yourself like someone you love because you deserve it. Give yourself the space and grace to heal. Healing takes time and mistakes are a part of the growth. Healing your inner child is a journey that takes patience, compassion, and commitment. So keep in mind that self-care is vital and you should seek support if necessary. Healing has the potential to transform and improve your self-concept. So as an example, I would say if your emotions were never validated as a child and so you learned that crying doesn't get you anything and now you'd feel out of touch with your like emotional intelligence because as a child you were told no don't feel then allowing yourself to feel as an adult and crying is like physically purging that that idea in your mind that that's not okay um obviously everybody's experience is completely different and so they have different things that they lacked or different things that they want or need to validate for themselves in adulthood on a happier note connecting to your inner child isn't just oh my gosh i had a bad childhood now i need to heal this you know Right, right it can be really fun too I work as a camp counselor in the summers, Yeah, and I think that that job helps me connect to my inner child so much because I'm surrounded by kids, and I'm constantly, you know, doing art and running around and just playing, and I think that the biggest part of connecting to your inner child is play. Right. Learning how to play as an adult. Yeah. Because, like, in this society where it's like, go, 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 you know we really push the idea of adulting and it becomes so serious once you're out in the real world, but life can be fun. And the more playful you are, the more fun you'll have. Yeah, it's all about being curious, going through the world with a sense of curiosity and a sense of how can I make this fun? Like, let's play, let's be creative. Yeah. Um, Approaching it from a perspective of non-judgment and self-compassion and 
a big part of it is just talking to yourself like someone you love positive self-talk right because how you talk to yourself genuinely frames the way you view yourself and thus life you exactly know? exactly which is so like talking to yourself in a positive way and a reaffirming way is just so important mm-hmm. and that's definitely something that i've learned as i've gone through adulthood but I really, really like how you say that connecting with your inner child is learning how to play as an adult because mm-hmm. I think that's so important because we always take life so seriously. So I really, really like that whole concept of implementing time for playfulness in your life. We genuinely believe the things we tell ourselves. Like subconsciously, you do believe that. Your mind doesn't know the difference between a joke and what's serious. So true. So that's why people love things like affirmations. I love affirmations. But yeah, self-talk is a whole other thing we can like go down the rabbit hole for. But a big part of connecting to your inner child, a big part of meditation and I guess spirituality in general is positive self-talk and developing a relationship with yourself yeah that you really grow to love which is hard you know it's a it's, it's a so journey hard. oh my god totally. self-love is such a hard journey it really 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 is and like i don't think it's a point you one day just reach and you're there you know no it's no, something you not. constantly go back and forth about and it's ebbs and flows but that's life is ebbs and flows and it's about learning how to flow while you're in the ebbs If you don't mind me asking, I'd love to know kind of what your idea of spirituality looks like for you. Okay, totally. So I don't know if this is like too personal. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. I did not grow up religious at all. Completely atheist. And I think spirituality is different for everyone and valid no matter how you view it. But yeah, I'd say during COVID... I had sort of a spiritual awakening in a sense where I just started thinking about life in a way I hadn't before. Before, I had just been going through the motions without like thinking deeply into anything and existing, but not like living with intention. And so spirituality to me is a deeper connection with myself and in turn, a relationship that I cultivate with the universe I think that we are all the universe experiencing itself. And so a big aspect of spirituality for me is empathy and compassion for other people. It's not something that you can just define because it looks different for everyone, but spirituality is a journey and spirituality is questioning life and not just accepting every single thing that's in front of you. Awareness, curiosity, attention to the present moment, love. That wasn't a very clear-cut answer, but I don't think that that it's something that can have a clear-cut answer. It's not, no. And I think you did a really good job of explaining it. I think if your spirituality or religion makes you a better person, then that's truly what matters. Yeah, exactly. If anyone is interested in exploring these topics further, I would highly recommend The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz and Be Here Now by Ram Dass. Wellness is something that encompasses many aspects of life. There's like emotional wellness, 
social wellness, physical wellness, environmental wellness, intellectual wellness, financial, spiritual. So the aspects of wellness that I will talk about are mental health based, but obviously there are so many aspects of wellness that are really important, like socializing, working out, you know, there's skincare, there's makeup, there's everything. I think my number one wellness tip is practicing gratitude. It's been life-changing for me to simply I definitely agree. incorporate gratitude into my way of being. And how do you do that? Do you make a list? Do you just say it in your head before you, know, you go to bed? I used to have this gratitude journal that I would do every morning and every night, but that was during COVID when time was... On your side. Totally yeah. on my side. And in Boston, it's not as easy. So... Nowadays, it's a less structured gratitude practice. I just really try to be grateful in little moments where I feel that gratitude. And I try to, like, feel it when I feel it. I don't just let it pass. Like, a feeling passes and you just let it go. Like, I try to sit in it for a second if I'm truly grateful for something. I will tell my friends, I'm so grateful for you're in my life. It's a practice that doesn't need to be a structured, like, I journal every day. It's something right. that you, just like how meditation can be something that you take into everything you do in everyday life, gratitude's the same way. Right. You eat a meal, you're like, I'm grateful for this meal. You go to class, you're like, I'm grateful for this education. It's it's a mindset more than anything. Yeah, I definitely agree. And so intentionally being grateful, and then that ties into living with intention, going through right. life with intention is so important. So also with the intention, yeah. mm-hmm. do you would you like wake up in the morning and kind of set an intention for the day or yeah, oftentimes like how I do you do. suggest doing that? Um, oftentimes I will wake up and I'll be like one word for my day. So like balance or simply just love, like trying to emit love. And then it's fun to go through the day and have your little word. And be like, okay, like, <laughs> how do I bring this into what I'm doing today? Yeah. Um, but on a less broad scale, just throughout little activities or, like, if I go to a workout class, my intention will be to be doing my best and be present and be, like, doing the class. Not just, like, being there, doing the motions Going of the class, the motions. but, like, my mind is somewhere else. Right. Or having a specific intention for that class if it's like, I want to reach this weight today for something. Right. So it can be what you make it, for sure. Another wellness tip, as we touched on, just positive self-talk. And it's really, really hard. But practicing non-judgment towards other people. But what's even harder is practicing non-judgment towards yourself because we're so conditioned to judge ourselves well thank you so much Sophia thank you so much honestly learned so much about wellness about spirituality and meditation and just mindfulness in general um this has been so great it's been so great to talk to you I'm so happy this was amazing so much thank you for having me on (laughs) I just feel like your presence is just so calming like I feel (laughs) I feel calm right now thank you I love that that makes me so happy that's all I want to be for people editor's pick is available on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts and anywhere you listen to your podcasts get buzzed every week with new episodes featuring members from our team